Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you Everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The Get Rich Slow Club podcast is a collaboration between Tash Edgman from Tash Invest and Anna Christina from Perla. The Get Rich Slow Club acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land we record on. From coast to coast, across land, waters, and communities, we pay our respects to elders past, present, and emerging. Any advice is general and does not consider your financial situation, needs, or objectives, so consider whether it's appropriate for you. Welcome to the Get Rich Slow Club podcast, where we take you from beginner to confident investor, where we can teach you everything you need to know about investing. So come get rich slow with us. Welcome back. Today's episode is about all the investing admin you need to consider once you've started investing. But before we get started, let's share our weekly wins and losses of the week. Anna, what's yours? This is an interesting win slash loss. So um, at the beginning of the year, I put my kids into early childhood education and care, aka child care, but I like mm-hmm. using the real long title because it's not Sounds just... professional. Well, it's also because it values what they do. It is early education. It's not just yeah. caring for children. So um, really language point. matters. It does. Nonetheless, so I put my kids in at, um, one of them was in at five days, the other at four days and realized that I would most likely return to work at three days. So dropped three days between the two kids and saved ourselves $8,372 by just making (gasps) that change. Yeah. Childcare is really expensive and um, you do get subsidy depending on what income bracket you're in and such. So, but it does add up. It's actually quite unaffordable. So that's, that's just three days between two kids. Unfortunately, I had to add two days for one month because I will be going away, which increases that expense to $528 for the month for For one one kid. One child adding oh, wow. two days per week. So it, it's just really expensive um, <laughs> for anyone who has to go through the whole, you know, early education system. Yeah. 
crazy. It's so much money. I know we kind of, I always think about it as like a future thing and it's in the back of my mind, but it's, yeah, it's huge when you actually look at how much it all costs and how it has such a big difference changing between different days and different numbers of kids as well. I think the thing is like, you know, it's a big expense, but until you actually realize that it is sometimes more than your rent or your mortgage, that's when it has a huge impact on your savings. And unfortunately, kids just get more expensive as they get older. So once, (laughs) once they go to school, if you're like, yay, I don't have to pay that much money. Um, jokes on you as <laughs> I've learned. <laughs> yeah. Great. So, so that's my win loss. What's yours, Tash? My fun win was I ordered Uber Eats groceries again because I got 50% off. They are really good at targeting me with their marketing. They keep sending me these codes. But I think the person who shopped for my order was having a great day. Maybe was happy to give me lots of bonuses. I got a giant sweet potato, like the biggest one I've ever seen. And I got an extra <laughs> banana. And instead of a small yogurt, I got a kilo. So I just got like supersized groceries, which was fun. Plus it was 50% off. So very good. Maybe a win, Anna. Yeah. A win, Anna lose. I quit my positive behavior support practitioner job. So slight. Yeah. Yay. Mostly yay. Slight drop in income, which is like a money loss, I guess. But (laughs) yeah, more exciting things like doing this podcast and not trying to do this before work and then running off to work for 10 hours. So that'll be fun. Yay. Dedicated time. (laughs) Mm. So getting into today's episode, how do shares actually make money? So shares are often two-dimensional assets. You can make money from dividends or capital growth. Dividends are the income payment, whereas capital gains are the increase in the price of the share or house or other investment. Dividends are regular payouts that companies give to their shareholders as a way of sharing their profits. This is similar to rent that a landlord would collect from a tenant as a way of earning income from the property. Dividends and rent are their regular income from an investment. Capital growth, on the other hand, is the increase in value of an investment over time. For shares, this can happen as the company grows and becomes more valuable and the share price increases. For a house, capital growth can happen as the value of the property increases over time. For example, if your share is worth $10 and then it grows to $11, you'll have a capital gain of $1. This share may also pay out a 5 cent dividend, which would be 55 cents. Therefore, your total return would be 55 cents from the dividend and $1 from the capital gain. You only get the capital gain if you sell the share though. When you're looking at your shares in your broker, you're usually just seeing the capital gains or losses if you haven't reinvested your dividends. Dividend income can be found via the share registry or using something like ShareSite. If investing in overseas companies, you'll need to be aware of the currency gain or loss as well. You might hear this being referred to as capitalizing, crystallizing, or realizing your losses or gains. Yes, this is confusing. They are all the same thing. So many words. (laughs) Yes. This is why investing jargon can be complex. You've only actually lost or made money on the shares once you've sold them. So if your share price has increased, you have to sell to realize your gains and get them paid out in cash. Otherwise, these are just unrealized gains. You only have to pay tax on your realized gains. So again, once you've actually sold them. Lots of words. I know there's lots of very confusing words in there, but they all kind of mean the same thing in terms of like capitalizing, crystallizing, or what was the other one we referred to? Realizing. Realizing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. When you invest in shares, you will likely receive dividends. There are a few options here. You can get them paid out in cash or you can reinvest them through a dividend reinvestment plan. This is usually set up through the share registry, which you will receive many letters to sign up to. 
Do you automatically reinvest your dividends, Anna? Originally I did, but then when I changed my strategy and decided that there were specific ETFs or shares I didn't want to invest in, I um, started just getting them cashed out and then I just invest specifically in that ETF. So I wait for the cash to hit my bank account. And then when I go and invest, I use that amount and also invest it alongside with the money that I put aside for that investment. What about you? Yeah, I do that now as well. So I actually signed up the first time I bought an ETF. I signed up to the dividend reinvestment plan because I thought that was what you were meant to do. But it was IVV and the price of a share back then was like $250. And I'd only bought four shares, like $1,000 worth. So I wasn't really getting big dividends at all. And I only found out like a few years later that you needed to wait until you had a full amount to buy the share. So I had to save 250, 300, 400, whatever the share price was to buy a full share again. So the money ended up just kind of sitting there in the share registry for years, not really doing anything. But like the shares I bought after that or the ETFs, I did the same thing. I waited for it to go into my bank account and then I just added it to my next share purchase. Yeah. That's why it's really important to check your share registry because otherwise you wouldn't have known that you had this random money sitting there wanting to be reinvested via the drip dividend reinvestment plan or um, uh, it was losing value just sitting there. Yeah. There's lots of pros and cons though. So let's start with some of the pros to a dividend reinvestment plan. Yeah. So there's no brokerage fee. You can also dollar cost average. So you can buy the same amount of shares at regular intervals to get the average of the market. And this way it takes the emotion out of it. There's also a possible discount for reinvesting through a dividend investment plan. And like I said, it's also referred to as a DRIP, DRP, can simplify the investing process so you can set and forget. And there's also no minimum number of shares unlike some brokers who charge the minimum of $500 to invest. Now for some of the cons, there's no control over price or time. You could be buying when shares are expensive. It can lead to an unbalanced portfolio due to heavy weighting in some areas of your portfolio. It may reduce diversification if you keep rebuying the same shares. There's no income stream. You still have to pay tax on dividends whether or not they are reinvested. So you'll need to put aside extra cash to pay for this. It can make working out your capital gains tax a lot more complicated. And as I was saying before, with my experience, if the share price is high and you don't have enough to buy a full share, the money will just be held by the share registry until there's enough. And for something like, I know they've split IVV now into a smaller price, but if you're trying to save up $500 to buy one share with your $5 dividends every quarter, it takes a long time. Now we're going to talk about the tax side of things. So dividends are taxed whether or not you invest in them using a dividend investment plan. Dividends are taxed as income and are therefore taxed based on your marginal tax rate. If you are unsure of your marginal tax rate, you can go to the ATO website for more information. Let's talk about franking credits. In Australia, franking credits are tax credits that are attached to dividends paid by Australian companies. These credits represent the tax the company has already paid on its profits before distributing them as dividends to shareholders. So to you or me. Under Australia's dividend system, shareholders can use these franking credits to offset the amount of tax they owe on the dividends they receive. If the franking credits are more than your marginal tax rate, you can receive a refund for the difference. This is often the case for retirees who are earning a lower income. The company tax rate is 30%. So if your personal tax rate is 30%, dividends are pretty much tax-free as you get a credit for the 30% tax the company has already paid. If your personal tax rate is 45%, you'll pay 15% on dividends after subtracting a tax credit for the 30% paid by the company. If you want to find out which shares or ETFs have franking credits attached to them, you can Google the ETF and the word distribution or dividends. 
Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. For example, A200 distributions or VAS dividends to find the percentage franking number. The easiest way that I find to do this consistently is on the ASX website. Franking credits are unique to Australian companies, so ETFs with purely US exposure, for example, will not have them. So let's talk about capital gains tax. This is how it works. If you sell your shares for more than you paid for them, you may need to pay a capital gains tax on the capital gains. If you've held the shares for more than 12 months, you may be eligible for a 50% discount on the capital gains you own. So this, you know, incentivizes you to do some long-term investing. If you're a non-resident, you may also be subject to a non-resident withholding tax on any capital gains you make. When I first started investing, I really wanted to target dividends because I thought that was like the easiest way to make money from shares. And I was really excited about getting money paid into my bank account. But as I started learning a bit more about investing, I realized because of the capital gains tax discount, it can be beneficial to try and target capital gains rather than dividends. Because dividends are income payments, unless they have franking credits attached, then you'll have to pay your whole marginal tax rate on the dividend. Whereas the capital gains tax discount is really cool, especially if you're earning a higher income. Um, doing your taxes can be a little bit confusing. So I just wanted to talk about how I kind of manage my investing taxes. So my process at the moment is I either get a report from ShareSite or the share registry, and then I just send it off to my accountant. Um, as soon as I started investing across multiple platforms, it got a lot more complicated. Previously, Raise and Spaceship used to give me nice tax reports and they'd actually tell me which like boxes to put numbers into, which was quite fun. Um, but now that I mainly invest myself through a broker, I have to work it out myself. So I download these reports and then just send them off. The ATO also populates some of these things for you, but you need to take your own responsibility because not all of it pops up right away and there may be some discrepancies. So it's really up to you as the taxpayer to ensure that that's all correct. There are some things you should track when doing your taxes. The price you bought and sold your shares at, and also any dividends you received, regardless of if you received a cash dividends or used a dividend reinvestment plan. Yes, you have to pay tax on your reinvested dividends. Unfair. <laughs> yeah. It's important to note that taxation laws can be complex and the information provided here is a general overview only. It's always a good idea to seek professional advice from a qualified tax accountant or financial advisor to ensure you're meeting your tax obligation and taking advantage of any tax benefits that may be available to you. Accountants are great. I highly recommend just using an accountant if you can. Yes. Now let's move on to share registries. We touched on these in episode four, but here's what you actually need to do with them. When you purchase ETFs, you'll get a letter in the mail instructing you to visit the website of the share registry and create an account. Then you can instruct them on how to treat your dividends, whether you want to reinvest them or not, and other actions such as voting. For chess sponsor brokers, this is the official record keeping of your shares and ETFs. 
Make sure you have your tax file number and bank details up to date for each holding so you don't miss out on dividends. You have to go in and input it for like all the individual ones, which is very annoying, but you have to get it set up properly and then it's worth it. Brokers such as Perla do not manage this for you. This is something you need to actively do yourself. Many share registries have started doing things digitally, whereas before it was a lot of manual paperwork. And it still is. I don't know if you've seen that, but like when you change to online, it sends you a letter saying that you've changed to online. Yeah, I know. They're verifying whether it's okay Mm -hmm. (laughs) via mail, via snail mail. It does take sometimes up to two weeks for the initial investment into the new stock to be registered at the share registry level. There are three main share registries in Australia. There's Computer Share, Link Market Services, and Boardroom. These are the companies that will send you the share letter. And it's important to read these as they ensure transparency and accountability in the ownership of your shares. Do your due diligence and make sure you set up two-factor authentication. In the case that you get hacked, you could lose thousands of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars. Your share registry is the gateway to all your investments. So it's really important to do that. This happened to someone in our community where they logged in and their dividends were set to get paid into some other random bank account. And it seemed like a really long process for them to rectify the situation. So just something to be mindful of. If you have international shares, you might need to fill out this wonderful document called the W8 Ben form. It's a document from the US International Revenue Service or the IRS that allows foreign investors to establish their foreign status, allowing them to claim beneficial ownership and access a reduced rate of withholding tax. Any dividends that you earn from your international investments will be subject to a withholding tax, which is typically around 30%. The reason you want to fill this out is otherwise you will be taxed twice, and that's why you do it. So generally, you need to submit a W-8 Ben in two different situations. The first situation in which you would do this is if you are trading U.S. domiciled Australian stocks, such as VTS, which is on the Australian Stock Exchange, you will need to file and submit the W-8 Ben via the share registry. What a mouthful. Um, the US domiciled ETFs are just ETFs that are bought and sold in US dollars instead of Australian dollars, for example. And the second situation is if you are trading US stocks directly. So if you are invested in Apple or Google, which are both on the NASDAQ, Perler's US brokerage partner automatically fills and files this form for you when you are registered for a US trading account. Or you can be like me now and just buy Australian domiciled ETFs that have international exposure, such as VGS, VISM, and VGE. I used to buy things like VTS and I think VEU as well was US domiciled. And the forms and everything was just too annoying. So now I'm trying to just buy things that are Australian domiciled. They definitely have pros and cons, but the extra paperwork is too much for me. Now let's move on to how to actually keep track of all of this. Brokers are made just to buy and sell shares, so often have limited insights into your overall investing journey. So it's a good idea to keep track of your investments elsewhere. You may also have investments across a few different platforms, so tracking them all in one place, it's helpful to see your overall position. You'll also need to keep track of certain information for tax time, and there's a few ways that you can do this. You can use things such as ShareSite, Nivexa, a good old spreadsheet, or even just like downloading reports from the share registry. The benefit of tracking your investments is that you can keep close accounting when it comes to the total number of shares you bought, when and at what price. But also you can track your total returns, which includes capital gains, dividends, and even currency gains. This is important for the overall picture. If the share price is down, you may still be overall in the green because of your dividends. This is something that often new investors forget considering the total return of their portfolio. Currency can also have a huge impact, so this is important to be mindful of when investing in overseas companies. This may sound very overwhelming initially, but using something like ShareSite or Nevexa can simplify it. You can also just download tax reports directly from the share registry. Don't be afraid to reach out to an accountant to get yourself set up properly and ask them all of your questions. They are very helpful. 
So what are some of the takeaways for this week, Tash? Um, Read your share letters. I made this mistake, definitely. I kind of ignored some of mine and a lot of my dividends weren't getting paid in cash to me. And then I had to pay a $25 admin fee to get my dividends paid out. So read the letters, set them up straight away. Another one would be to log into the registry and see if all your shares are there. That's like probably a very good starting point to just make sure that you set everything up correctly. Definitely. And then update your details, your banking info and your tax file number for each holding. I remember going through mine and I had to go through and individually update them. And then to make it more fun, they'll send you a letter saying you updated it, which I know is great for security, but so many letters and you're updating like 10 different ETFs. And if you can set up a two-factor authentication to ensure that you are the only one who can access this, it's really important to be secure about your investments. Definitely. Well, that's all for this week. We'll see you next week. Thanks so much for joining us in this episode. If you found it helpful, feel free to leave us a rating or review or share with a friend. Make sure to follow us on social at Get Rich Slow Club, or you can follow Tash at Tash Invests or me at Anna Christina. This show was brought to you by Natasha Etchman, who is an authorized representative, 12-99881 of Guideway Financial Services, AFSL 420367, and Perla, who is an authorized representative, 12-81540 of Sanlam Private Wealth, AFSL 337927. Knowledge is power, especially when it comes to investing. So make sure you check out our financial services guides and read the product disclosure statement and target market determination for any investments you're considering. See our show notes for more info. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.